One very interesting thing about us humans is that internal contact with the body is synonymous with openness. Awareness, the final frontier. This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome back, friends, to Awareness Explorers. I, of course, am Jonathan Robinson. I'm with my trusty co-host. Brian Tom O'Connor. And only twice on Awareness Explorers have we had a uh, explorer back. And I have to blame it on Judith Blackstone because I love her stuff and she writes good books every now and then. I want to ask her about it. So let me, uh, before I introduce Judith, give our listeners a little bit of background about your bio. Judith Blackstone is an experienced teacher in the contemporary fields of non-dual realization and spiritual, relational, and somatic psychotherapy. She's developed the realization process, which many of you know, which is a direct path for realizing fundamental non-dual consciousness, as well as the application of non-dual realization for psychological, relational, and physical healing. She currently has seven books in publication and has taught the realization process for over 35 years. Her new book is called The Fullness of the Ground, A Guide to Embodied Spiritual Awakening. Welcome back to Awareness Explorers, Judith. Yeah, thanks so much for having me back. So, you know, I've been listening to your book, and I love the fact that you actually have an audio book because no one ever reads anymore. And I read um, it. Okay. <laughs> but on Kindle, not in, not in physical. Kindle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. And I like how it's, it's really focused more than your other books on the ground of being or non-dual awareness. And I'm wondering what got you to write a book just focused in that way versus some of your other books. Well, the last book that I wrote, uh, Trauma and the Unbound Body, really focused on the psychological aspect of the work. Mm-hmm. And um, there's several aspects to the realization process, but really this is the the basis of it, the, mm-hmm. the uncovering of fundamental consciousness as our, our ground identity. So I, I wanted to make sure to, of course, I, I teach, and a lot of questions come up. About, about this. And there's so many non-dual teachers now and people come in, you know, my teacher says this and my teacher says that. And uh, so just to kind of put that all in context, so people might be able to have somewhat of an easier time navigating through all those different teachings. And also to talk about the experience itself of fundamental consciousness, so it doesn't get too abstract or too much into conjecture, metaphysical guesswork, but actually what what it feels like to know oneself as fundamental consciousness. Yeah, I'm glad you you mentioned all that because your your book came at such a timely period for me because I've been very much fascinated lately by the apparent, I guess you'd call it sectarianism that has grown around contemporary non-dual teachings. And it wasn't until reading your book that I realized that this is an age-old dichotomy. That's right. Uh, would you say that the two categories you write of in your book, um, Shentong and Rongtong, are akin to the two different modern approaches, like, for instance, radical non-duality and, I don't know, for lack of a better word, non-radical non-duality or awareness-based ground of being practice? I think that they have 
Yeah, I think that there have always been the two schools, and uh, it's the Tibetan Buddhists who actually named those two categories, and, and that was so helpful for me when I came across that, because a lot of the non-dual teachings, as you know, teach that there is no self, that we, we don't exist, that, that we don't have emotions. If, if we have emotions, we haven't realized ourselves, haven't, haven't realized it, you know, haven't realized non-duality. And then there's a whole other school, which has actually never been as popular, even if we go back through the history of, uh, of Tibetan Buddhism, and can also be found in, in Hinduism and to some extent throughout the world, the idea that there is an actual ground of being, uh, uh, we, whatever we want to call it, pure consciousness or self, or Rigpad has so many different names in the spiritual literature, but there is a, a you know, a, a reaching that ground or reaching that foundation. And then it really does feel like there is someone here, you know, and to me, that's the real mystery, the feeling that there is someone here, that there is existence. So I've always been more drawn to, to that school. And I think it's important simply for people to go towards what they're, towards what they're drawn to, to what makes, what makes sense to them. But I wanted to bring out more about this ground of being and how we can find it in the spiritual literature. You know, I'm not making it up. Uh, it's always it's always been part of the esoteric, especially the Asian, but the spiritual teachings. Mm -hmm. Well, how would you define the ground of being? The ground of being, as far as I know, is the actual experience of an undivided consciousness that we can open to, that takes a really a certain amount of inward and subtle attunement. And then we can actually find and feel ourselves as a very subtle, unmodified consciousness. A consciousness itself, and it's also been called consciousness, conscious of itself, or self-knowing consciousness. And when we uncover it, we not only get to the ground of our individual being, which I think is so important these days to emphasize and hasn't been emphasized much in the traditional teachings, but we do get to that wholeness, uh, internal wholeness, ground of our individual being. But at the same time, in the same exact way, we get to a transcendence of our individuality. We get to a self-other oneness in which everything seems to be, and I have to say seems to be, pervaded by or made of this one undivided consciousness. So if we look through the spiritual literature, we can find descriptions of that experience throughout the history of Buddhism and, and, and Hinduism as well, of the different, different philosophies that we call Hinduism, and even to some extent in the, in the esoteric Western religions, that, that people have always been able to find that ground. They may interpret it differently, but the description, if we read the description, it's recognizably the same throughout the throughout the world. Mm -hmm. You know, there's different ways to get there. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say that the realization process and your teachings are largely focused in a somatic way compared to some other teachings. Would, would you say that? And would you say, I'm wondering what you feel in your long history as teaching helps people the most to discover the ground of being. Of course, the word somatic uh, can, yeah. can also be interpreted in different ways. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I think 
it's important to experience oneness as including our own being, as pervading our own body. Because very often people talk about non-dual awareness and they'll make this kind of gesture, you know, like it's something out there or something just around their head. And um, and then we don't get to that most subtle attunement to ourselves, which is that unbroken ground of consciousness. So somatic in the sense of including that it pervades the body. Now we don't we don't get to the body so much as the being in the body than the most subtle level of that being in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, we, we approach it through the body. We approach it through inhabiting the whole internal space of the body and then experiencing that this, that space that pervades the body also pervades the environment. So we're working through the body. We're also working, as many other lineages do, to go in through a very subtle channel that runs through the vertically through the torso, neck, and head, mm-hmm. which has been called Shashumna, and called the central channel in Buddhism. Very important. So to get there, it's very important because it's a portal into that mm-hmm. very subtle consciousness. And to get there, of course, we need to focus inwardly, 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 and very fine focus to get to that core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was wondering if we could drill in even a little more, uh, this is absolutely fascinating, to the transition. For example, in you have, a, you have a, a great practice, a long one, in your book called Attunement to Fundamental Consciousness, in which you inhabit one by one various parts of your body. And then after all of them, you experience the space of fundamental consciousness. But I was wondering if you could expand for our listeners a little bit of, about the connection, how how sort of inhabiting each of the body, how that can lead to experiencing fundamental consciousness. Yeah. So one, one very interesting thing about us humans is that internal contact with the body is synonymous with openness. So wherever we're in touch with the internal space of our body, we're also clear, open to the environment, right? So contact with our own form is at the same time transcendence of our own form in that way, right? And not only open to the space in front and around us and above and below us, but also opens us to the most fluid responsiveness of our being to the world around us. So for example, if we live within our chest, if we actually contact that internal space of our chest and not only be aware of it, but actually experience that we are there, that we're living there, that that we are that internal space of our chest, then at the same time, we have that contact with ourselves. And at the same time, we can then experience the space inside and outside our chest at the same time the barrier, right, the supposed barrier between in and out naturally dissolves, naturally becomes permeable. We can still feel our edges anytime we want to, but that becomes a a permeable perimeter to ourselves. And at the same time, living within our chest, our emotional freedom becomes more fluid, right? We become more emotionally responsive. We can feel love, which of course is wonderful, compassion, but we can feel all our emotions deeply. The more inward contact with ourselves, the more fluidly our emotions, our thoughts, our physical sensations, such as pleasure and pain, 
all of our responsiveness becomes becomes free as we make that inner contact with ourselves. Now I start with going through the body part by part because if I just tell people to be in their body, they'll leave out the parts of themselves that are not familiar, right? We, we all grow up inhabiting ourselves only partially. And that, that may be even after we're way enlightened, you know, you know, there's, it's still going to be partial. But for most of us, it's quite partial growing up because of the way we've protected ourselves, the way we've constricted ourselves, the way we've mirrored the constrictions of our parents and so forth. So we don't inhabit ourselves entirely, right? So if I say just be in your body, you may very well leave out your legs or the internal space of your brain, uh, your arms, and then you don't get to that wholeness that then opens into the oneness. So that's why we go part by part by part through the body, just so we don't leave anything out. Mm, I see. Yeah. Wow. That really does clear it up in a very vivid way. Thanks. I have a, a, a question in using the realization process uh, meditations or some of them. Uh, you'll say things which I think is a great distinction. It's very helpful to me. Try not to, like, say, inhabit your foot from your head inhabit your foot from your foot. Right. And that's a, a very a useful distinction and also challenging as well. Yeah. There's almost like a sense of, of maybe a little bit of fear or surrender that is required to do that. And I'm wondering if you have any tips on what helps people to inhabit their foot, not from their head, but from their foot. Well, it does take practice, right? And it takes patience. Uh, and it takes, a, you know, being a good teacher to ourselves in order to gradually do that. People will sometimes ask, well, who am I going to be if I just let go of this, you know, mm -hmm. uh, awareness up here? And the answer to that, of course, is that you'll be more aware, more conscious, conscious with your whole being. And and you'll you'll feel more of your own existence, not not less. But that does take that little bit of a leap of faith, and that's why we we enter it gradually. You know, like mm -hmm. if someone is really afraid to come into their body, it's usually because they've had to be less conspicuous growing up. That it, there was some some real danger in terms of really being there in themselves. And so, if someone wants to go very slowly, we we respect that completely. But then the question is, well, where where can you enter into your body? Where does it feel comfortable or safe or familiar to be in your body? Right. And then that that part can begin to teach the rest. Well, you can be in your hands, you know. How about how about your knees? Can you be in your knees? You know, and so forth. Right. You also in this book talk about how to bring this into daily life, which I think is really the cutting edge. You know, a lot of people can feel present or awake in meditation or being still, but as soon as they deal with uh, a trigger of their partner or the grocery store, they lose it all. And yeah. I'm wondering how you encourage people to bring it into their life. I mean, that again is, is practice, and it's also... It's also knowing, you know, that this is possible. 
Uh, I remember, you know, in the, in the old days, you know, when we used to go to these non-dual conferences and people would be like, well, can you possibly have a relationship in non-duality? Because, you know, it means there are two, you know. But the the actuality of the experience is that relationship actually becomes much deeper. You know, our relationship with other people, we meet through the through the depth of ourselves and relationship becomes you know, much more fluid in our responsiveness and also deeper in the actual connection ground to ground. So knowing that, right, knowing that, and we have particular practices in the realization process that focus on, you know, that are meant just for people to practice together, for two people to practice together, or even for a group to practice together, to feel that depth of connection that we can feel as fundamental consciousness and also the depth of connection that we can feel core to core, right? Coming into that subtle vertical core of our being mm. with another person. There's an actual resonance, almost a kind of ring that you can hear when two people meet core to core like that. So knowing that and practicing that, then we can take it out into the grocery store or wherever we go, uh, feeling that we're in our body. And that, of course, takes practice, you know, to stay in the body even when there is a trigger, right? Even when there is, you know, something that reminds us of something uh, painful that happened to us, to be able to stay there, that requires fairly consistent practice of being in the body. After a while, we just find ourselves there. There's a natural internal coherence that happens as we practice being in the body. And then we don't need to, like, oh, remember to put ourselves there. We're just there. That takes a little while, right? But we can start out walking down our street, inhabiting our body, and notice when we leave it. Just come on right back, just like in any meditation where when you get distracted, you just come on back right, mm -hmm. to the meditation. So it's the same. We have a practice where I practice just like making an energy current or practicing an imaginary little red ball through someone's space and letting them practice feeling how they're actually transparent, that actually experience themselves as permeable so that anything can pass through. Mm. Now we have we have a choice, interestingly, of catching someone's vibrations and holding them and cherishing them or letting those vibrations pass right through us. Right, so that we feel them, but we don't hold on to them, and they don't shatter us, right? Because we've practiced knowing ourselves as that unbreakable fundamental consciousness. Right. Mm -hmm. So even even anger coming towards us, or or even someone's neediness coming towards us, is something that we can allow to pass through that unbreakable space without shattering, right? We might decide to take ourselves away from that relationship or to respond to it. We have a little more resilience and response time because of that resilience, right? But we're not uh, we're not broken, right? So that's one, again, one very interesting thing about fundamental consciousness is that it's unbreakable. It's experienced this space. So no matter how hard you hit it, <laughs> it won't break, right? Once we've once we've really practiced attuning to it, hmm. I like the idea of uh, something coming at you and being permeable or transparent, especially 
not just with people, but also with things like hearing the news, you know, yeah. that some people close down and it's like in their body, all right. the difficult news. And you can do a spiritual practice by watch, watching the six o'clock news. Right. Uh, you sure can. Have it go through. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, you sure can. Well, I mean, what's really important here is that it's fundamental consciousness. It's a disentangled we can call it a dimension of ourselves, right? It's a disentangled aspect of ourselves. It's not detached, right? Mm -hmm. So so we'll still feel, we'll still go, oh, boy, have you ever seen anyone that frightening? <laughs> Look, you know, and we still may feel fear or disgust or any of those things, you know? But again, we're, we don't lose track of ourselves in that. We don't lose ourselves, mm -hmm. right? So... We can we can let that pass through, and it's over. You know that's another thing, right? Our emotions flow through us fluidly. They dissipate, right? They arise and they dissipate rather than us holding on to them. Oh, I'm so angry, and now I'm angry that I'm angry, and you know. So the same with the six o'clock news. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, I think it's the seven a.m. news when we turn on our computers. <laughs> <laughs> so then so then for uh people practicing by listening to the news the idea is not to no longer have feelings or reactions to what's right. seeing but but being transparent being so relaxed being so permeable that they don't come in and then whirl around in little eddies forever but they that's just they can leave would that be a good description that's right so that they don't progress to despair aha uh -huh. You know, you know, sad, sad, sad. But okay, you know, that's a scary guy. I yeah. feel fear when I look at him. All right, uh, right. And now it's and now it's and now it's over. You know, I mean, I might still be concerned for for the political scene for the country, but I haven't lost myself in it. Haven't felt shattered. Haven't felt like you know, moved to Portugal. <laughs> right, right. Well. <laughs> Well, when you say that that it doesn't move to despair, I, I find that really um, profound and 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 hopeful, and it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes in your book, which was um, one of the most important things to understand about non-dual realization is that it is possible. Yes, and for some, it seems impossible. Yes, but it's so possible. It's so possible. Uh, and, you know, even the old teachings, you know, that have come up to us from uh, from India and from Tibet uh, seem to put this ground of being as some sort of very advanced attainment. And I think I think things have changed, perhaps. I also kind of suspect a little bit of spiritual capitalism there. You, you know, <laughs> stay with me for 30 years and you'll get there. <laughs> but but I think you know we have progressed in fact, and uh, now it's really within reach. We we can open to that ground of ourselves. It is with within our own being. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've noticed what you're saying, Judith. That in the '90s, when I was doing lectures and teaching, it might take an hour for people to feel what could be called non-dual consciousness. And now, if I teacher lecture, it seems like it takes about three minutes. Yes. And We're more I, open. At least at least the people who come to us yeah. are more open. Yeah. yeah. Less obstacles. I wanted to delve into a little bit of, of a possible confusion people might have about 
fundamental consciousness. Um, you wrote, fundamental consciousness is your own nature. It is accessible within your own body. So to clarify, is is fundamental consciousness something the individual has? Or is like, is there my fundamental consciousness within my body and your fundamental consciousness with your body? Or are we connecting to a universal fundamental consciousness? You know, Brian, people have been asking that same wonderful <laughs> question for centuries. Yeah, right. <laughs> because how can we tell, you know? And you'll see different teachings will say, you know, your own mind clearly perceived. Sometimes the Zen will teach that, but it's just your own mind clearly perceived. Uh, the Hindus are pretty clear that this is the nature of the universe that, that we open to. It's the most, uh, you know, amazing question, extraordinary question. Now, when two people both attune to fundamental consciousness at the same time, it really feels like we're opening to that same one space. If we can trust you know, what it really feels like, then my vote is more towards that, that it's, you know, that it's actually one consciousness that we can attune to. Now, I don't know if it, if we can call it a thing, you know, like a dimension, although I do use those terms, but it's an attunement, you know, it's our most subtle attunement to ourselves in the world. So, you know, that's what, that's what opens us to that undivided consciousness. So, you know, mm -hmm. you know. Now we 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 go beyond my knowledge for sure. And even reading the spiritual literature, there are so many different points of view on this. But the opening to it as a group clearly feels like we're opening to that one space that's actually there. Yeah, yeah. And it reminds me of like way back when I started making up little games for myself. I would walk down the streets of New York and look at strangers passing by and think what is it like looking out through their eyes yeah. as they pass and i would imagine it and then i realized because everything that appears is something that just appears in that whatever that's looking out through their eyes that it didn't have qualities of its own all qualities appeared in it and if it didn't therefore it must be absolutely identical with what's looking out through my eyes. And so you can stop there and just say, yes, it's the same, what's looking. But you, if for some like little intuitive leap further, for me, it all of a sudden started to seem the same, not just identical, but one, like something looking like the million-eyed mind. I think, you know, and this again, and just, you know, it, it has to be speculation, but I do, I do think that there is that uh, that level in which we are the same, and and we can connect to that sameness. I think our differences are also important. You know, like when I teach psychotherapy, non-dual psychotherapy, it's really important that how each person is regarding the world is molded by their history and so forth, and empathy is really. Yeah, like Heinz Kohut said that beautifully, you know, is really being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and look out through their eyes. And then it's not the same. It's like what you're seeing, what I'm seeing, you know, is going to be oh, wow. colored by our history, by, you know, by our likes and dislikes, by everything. But then there's a level more subtle than that in which we really seem to be 
one. And and when we also connect for the core, and the, and you can get a whole whole room of people uh, all ringing on that one core, you know, as if we yeah. it's really just one center for all of us. Yeah, yeah, I've I've experienced that, and I I love what you what you said because a lot of people when they think of oneness or non duality, they think that somehow that the individual person is an illusion and doesn't exist, et cetera, as you as you as you talked about before. But there's a there's a paradox that I've experienced when you're connecting with that sort of universal, you know, the universal connectivity that we're looking through that the individual personalities with its strengths, with its weaknesses, with its likes, desires, doesn't get suppressed. It it somehow comes alive and 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 gets more relaxed and free to be authentic. Have you found that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, this fundamental consciousness pervades everything, but it also reveals everything in its in its uniqueness. You know, because if, you know, if you and I sat down to have a conversation we'd have plenty to say and it would be based on our differences really i mean you know some shared experiences but how we each saw those you know where we each grew up you know there'd be you know i mean i've, I've been married 41 years we still still have stuff to say and it's it's not because we're the same it's because you know we'll see something slightly differently and talk about it so so yeah they're both uh, they're both beautiful yeah you know, um, I don't think we interviewed you for your previous book, which was Trauma on the Unbound Body. I'm not sure if we had, when we did that interview, if you had written it yet. But I'm wondering if you would be able to say a little bit about your uh, approach to trauma and deconditioning, because that's such a big topic nowadays. Yeah. And what's unique about the realization process in, in uh, dealing with trauma? Yeah, it it does differ does differ from most of the body psychotherapies that are available today in terms of dealing with trauma. In that, I'm not focused on the nervous system. I'm focused on the fascia, which is that tissue that surrounds everything in our body, every cell, everything in our body. It's really a level of oneness, but it's also a level of tissue that can constrict, that can that seems also to be very sensitive to the mind, so that if um, something painful happens to us or something that we cannot uh, fully digest, fully fully take in, especially as children, we will protect against it and we'll protect right there in that part of the fascia that would have been engaged in that event. Right? So we shut down our heart, we shut down our sexuality, we shut down our voice, we shut down our intelligence, you know, through the through the level of the fascia. And all of those constrictions are related for each of us to specific memories, specific events. So the way that um, the realization process approaches that, we have something uh, called the release technique where we go right into those constrictions in a particular way that actually causes them to constrict further and then release and can also reveal the the roots the sources of those uh, of those constrictions and then we go in then from there we inhabit the body further so it really depends on people having done the the embodiment the attunement fundamental consciousness 
core work, and then they can go into that very subtle finding and releasing of those constrictions and embody themselves more fully and then open themselves more fully to fundamental consciousness. So that's that's the main contribution, I think, of realization process to the to the psychotherapy field. There's also the the healing and deepening of relationships as fundamental consciousness, which can go quite a long way to healing what we call attachment disorders. You know, mm. instead of having to either block someone out or come way out of ourselves to try and find love, uh, we can connect depth to depth, right? So that we're both still connected to ourselves, but experiencing deep connection with another person. So there's a whole part of the realization process that works with that healing of relationships and our ability to relate with others altogether. Hmm. You used the term earlier, non-dual psychotherapy. And I'm a psychotherapist and into non-dual. I'm wondering what that means to you and, and what that looks like if you're working one-on-one. Yeah, well, what it means to me is that the direction of of health in the realization process is towards the ability to inhabit one's body fully and open to that self-other oneness. Mm-hmm. So it goes towards non-duality, right? That's the direction of healing. That's the main, uh, and then hopefully the therapists that I train are sitting in that non-dual space uh, at as fundamental consciousness, so that as the client opens, they they meet there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost weird that psychotherapy didn't come to that realization earlier, you know, that we have to create a field called non-dual psychotherapy, because normally it, how uh, how does it miss it? I mean, it's it's kind well, of interesting. I can tell you exactly how it, how it misses it. You know, if you go if you study intersubjectivity theory and the relational therapies, that was like a step towards it, right? Mm-hmm. In that they were talking very much about the mutual influence of client and therapist, and and also very importantly the equality of client and therapist. But the you know. Stalero says right out that our psyche is made up of different patterns of self-other connection and and self-knowledge. And the the direction of therapy for him was to have more fluid and more varied templates, Mm -hmm. right? So they never get further than that, you know, more and more mutual influence, but never to that very subtle dimension of oneness. Mm-hmm. Right? What, yeah, what I was wondering when you were talking about that was whether in non-dual therapy, there is more importance on the therapist being there in a fundamental consciousness space. In other words, embodying that ground of being at the time and being open, rather than telling the um, the, the 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 patient, um, you know, uh, it's all one. Uh, you know, there you do not exist. I mean, obviously, I doubt you would ever say say anything like that. In fact, but you, we, I have heard therapists say that. Yeah, right. Well, that's my point. Uh, uh, that 
non-dual therapist, it sounds like it it has more to do with creating a mutual field or uh, for lack of a better word, what yeah. would be a better word? Sure. Oh, well, opening, opening, You're opening. mutual field, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, and the oneness field, you know, because there's a is a mutual field of influence that intersubjectivity and various relational psychoanalysis uh, theories came up with are very important that we influence each other as, as we go along in the therapy uh, or in any relationship. But this oneness field, you know, it, you know, it has a spiritual taint to it that we can't get away from, you know, you know, that has been rejected by a lot of of the psychotherapy field. So it does bring in that very subtle, I mean, it takes, it takes a little work, you know, also it takes a little work uh, to, to get to that uh, refinement, to get to that subtlety. Uh, so people have to want have to know about it, have to yearn for it, and and want to want to do the work. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that uh, you've been married over forty years, and um, I'm curious if you uh, and you know I've been married uh, over twenty years, and and Brian's married as well. Are you able to? Do you have the same path with your husband, or is it he's on a different path? I know, like with my wife, she has a very different path than me. And we try and find like where does it where can we connect? Uh, I'm wondering how that is for you. Yeah, well, well, for Zorn and I, uh, we've definitely been on the same spiritual path mm -hmm. uh, uh, all all along, and 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 that's been quite quite wonderful. Uh, we met at uh, the Zen Mountain Monastery, 1980, and um, we picked each other out of that crowd immediately as not quite fitting in, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, the first thing, the first gesture he made towards me was to leave, leave in my room Gunther's, you know, Herbert Gunther's book on, on Tibetan Buddhist non-duality. So we poured over that book, and we poured over the idea that you know there's non-existence, and we poured over, you know, all of the, you know, like if you have no desires, what's the worth of, <laughs> what, why live, you know. <laughs> All, all of that. So, so we spent that whole year at the Zen monastery, examining all of that, exploring all of that, and we've been pretty much on the same path ever since. Then we went to the Tibetan Buddhist monasteries and sat there together. We went to India together and had an Indian teacher for many years. We, we've been on the on very much the same path. Now he went in a different direction professionally, which I think helped us quite a bit. You know, I think if we'd also been on the same path professionally, it would have been too much. But he became a scientist, which which is not where my mind goes at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's a he's a you know neuroscience researcher, researching meditation. So we can have a lot to talk about there. You know what science says about it, what 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 I've discovered. But in terms of our in terms of our realization, we've been on pretty much the same path. Wow, I would love to be a fly on the wall for some of those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fascinating to compare these spiritual uh, concepts with science. Yeah, yeah, it's been very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, we haven't tired of talking to each other about all that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think some of these uh, gadgets are coming out? Uh, I, you know, I have a few of them. 
that deal with EEG training and such, are, are they useful or are they uh, more distractions? I, I don't know. I, you know, I personally don't care for them, you know, but that might even be my gender. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I think you need to go from the inside out, but, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, the truth is anything that's helpful is great. And speaking of helpfulness for people who read the fullness the of the ground, which is wonderful. I recommend it. There are a lot of exercises in it. So how, how do you recommend people approach it? Should they do them in order or, and, and if they do, do those exercises cover the whole thing, or would it be better to work with someone, et cetera? How, how, what are your recommendations? I mean, that's a very personal thing. Some people do better working on their own. And um, I think they can do the practices as they're written in the book in that order. But if they would rather skip around, you know, it's one's own mind and one's own body. Uh, so they should do what feels what feels best. I think at a certain point, it's good to work with someone or in a group where there is someone who can say, yes, now, you know, you're at the core, you're a little to the right of it, you know, come back. But um, but I know for myself, I worked for quite a bit on my own and and uh, and was really very glad to do that, to, to make that exploration on my own. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that we have missed that you feel is important to bring up or talk about? Um, not really. I mostly emphasize in the fullness of the ground the various aspects of non-duality, non-dual realization that we can cultivate. And those are the the steadiness, the unwavering quality of fundamental consciousness, the mm. experience of stillness, the depth that we get both inward and outward uh, simultaneously, the, the subtlety, uh, the fluidity as we let, as we know ourselves is that stillness and we can let go of our grasp on the changing content of experience. Uh, so so those are the kind of categories that I cover in the book. And then the practice, each of the practices help with that particular aspect of non-dual realization. Now, I know uh, we've had Michael Leiden on the show before, and you must have a bunch of teachers that uh, teach this, and can they be contacted through you or your website, or how's that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realizationprocess.org is the is the website, and there's a list of the senior teachers. So I recommend every one of them. Uh, I'm retired from private practice, so definitely if people want to work one-on-one, they should choose one of them. There's also a list of teachers by area, you know, many of them also very skilled and very experienced. So yeah, through the through the website, and then my whole teaching schedule is on there. Okay. Any last questions, Brian, or should we go to the guided meditation? Oh, I think this would be a perfect time to go to the guided meditation. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the guided meditations, the realization process that have come from you and Michael, I just they're so rich and delicious that uh, I always look forward to them. I'm so glad. So I thought I would go towards the steadiness uh, meditation, the steadiness aspect of fundamental consciousness. So anyone watching who would like to join, come sit up. For this, you can. it's best really to sit upright on a chair with your feet on the floor. 
And you can do this with your eyes closed if you're comfortable like that. And we start with just breathing, and that's just to just to get here. Just smooth, even, calm breath. You can even count, two counts to inhale, two counts to exhale, just to calm the breath, or whatever number is comfortable for you. Now come down into your feet and make deep contact with yourself in your feet. So not just aware of them, but actually being there, if you can feel that within your feet. Let your breath adjust to being that far down in your body so that you can stay in your feet as you breathe, so that your inhale doesn't lift you up away from there. And now inhabit your whole body, including your feet. And that means contact with yourself everywhere in your body. Taking a moment, if you can, to experience your whole being at once. And breathing. Now find the space outside your body, the space in the room, keeping your eyes closed. And let yourself experience that the space inside and outside your body is the same continuous space. You're in your body, but you're permeable in that way. Space inside and outside is the same. you may be able to feel that you are that space, right? That space of fundamental consciousness. It's not something separate from us. So see if you can feel that you are that space pervading inside and out. And now slowly open your eyes, and let's find that with the eyes open. So with your eyes open, inhabit your whole body, including your feet, including your arms, your brain. And once again, with your eyes open now, let yourself experience your whole being at once, your whole self.
Find the space outside your body, space in your environment, in the same way that you found with your eyes closed. And feel that the space inside and outside your body is the same continuous space. You're in your body, but the space inside and outside is the same. And without moving from your body, let yourself experience that the space that pervades you pervades your whole environment, even the furniture across the room, everything, without leaving your body at all. And let's just sit like that for a moment. Now, this fundamental consciousness, this pervasive space, is experienced as a blend of presence and emptiness. So let's attune to that for a moment. Let yourself experience being in your body as empty, right? Like you're an empty vessel, completely receptive. And now let yourself experience that emptiness pervading your body and your whole environment. Everything made of emptiness. Everything will still be there, of course, but it's pervaded by this empty space. Now, experience inhabiting your body as presence, that you're fully present in your body, and not just shining from the outside of your body, but present all the way through your whole being. Let yourself attune to presence pervading your body and your whole environment. Presence pervading everywhere. Now, once again, come on into your whole body. Experience being in your body as presence and emptiness at the same time. Let yourself feel that if you can. Presence and emptiness. And presence and emptiness pervading your body and your whole environment. Take a moment to let that space do the hearing. Right? Of course, you are hearing as fundamental consciousness, but it's a it's a letting go. It's a non-grasping, just letting the sounds occur in the space. Letting the space do the seeing, same thing. Right? Space pervades the visuals, visuals just happening in the space. Of course, you are seeing as fundamental consciousness. And now the sounds and the visuals at the same time, so that you are hearing in that non-grasping way as fundamental consciousness. And we'll sit for just half a minute, half a minute, as that pervasive space, presence and emptiness, seeing and hearing. Keep breathing in order to stay there.
That was a whole amusement park of uh, states of consciousness there. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. I loved it. There was a moment of release, and it's almost impossible to describe verbally. But when presence and emptiness all of a sudden no longer seemed opposite. Yeah, they blend together, <sighs> and that's when we get that pervasive space. Yeah. <sighs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Judith. Uh, we love your work. Uh, people can go to realizationprocess.org for more. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. And the book is, uh, I forgot the title because you The Fullness of the Ground. The Fullness of the Ground. Yeah. The subtitle is A Guide to Embodied Awakening. Thank you so much. Yeah. My, our pleasure. And, uh, just a reminder, thank our Patreon supporters for helping to support the podcast. And if you want to know about all our free stuff and how you can support us, or I guess it's not free stuff, so it's up to a dollar a month, Brian. So that Wow, that wow, that's steep. I know. But they can go to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers. And thank you so much for the work that you do, Judith. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to our friends. Always keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.